This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. This show is brought to you by IndieWrestling.us. Check out IWC, RWA, and more. And listeners like you, support this show at patreon.com slash wrestlingmayhemshow. Hey guys, it is the Indie Mayhem Show, a show where we talk with people in and around independent professional wrestling uh, here in Sorgatron Media Studios in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, again, before we get into our interview today, please check out everything at WrestlingMayhemShow.com where you can find out this and other great podcasts that we're doing around professional wrestling. We have a lot of fun uh, with the Wrestling Mayhem Show, even uh, recently, if you're, if you're hearing this uh, as it's coming out. Uh, we just did a debate because that seems to be the popular thing right now uh, over there, that we had a lot of fun, and it was very civil for a wrestling podcast. Uh, so put that out there. Also, please check out IndiaWrestling.us, where you'll see a lot of people in action uh, that we talk to on this very show uh, as part of that in IndiaWrestling.network, and of course, Fight Underground that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit as well, uh, and including uh, some action from another promotion that, uh, that our, our guest tonight is a part of and that is dash bennett joining us rare these days it seems in studio with us right now how you doing dash I'm good thanks for having me and uh, thanks for the nice spread that you had in the green room although i want to know who, who puts pickles on a, on a deli tray i mean that's it's amateur uh, well, uh, well we will uh we, listen man it's, it's a hard time for everybody right now and we're still sorting that out uh but you got all your green m&ms correct yes yes absolutely well thank you thank you for joining us here at dash sure. uh so so the first question a little break the ice question for those who don't know you maybe uh, uh know your history uh as well uh we we start we try to get started with um what was your earliest memory of professional wrestling so my earliest memory, um, I was I so I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, and in the uh, the eighties and early nineties, still uh, it was a real hotbed for uh, WWF wrestling. They were at the Wheeling Civic Center multiple times throughout the year doing tapings, mm-hmm. um, and I I remember very very vaguely. I was maybe three or four, and my dad had taken me to an event there. And I know that it was the one where they had the um, Hogan and Savage steel cage because all I remember are those big blue bars. <laughs> was this was this the, the, this is just them? Was it was it the no holds barred one or is this one of their? Uh... I, I, I all I remember is just seeing that big blue cage. Yeah. Um, I I wish I had a better memory of it, but I, I had to have been like three or four at the time. <laughs> um, my dad actually tells a, uh, a story any chance he gets. Um, I guess I must have wandered off at some point uh, towards the locker room and the Iron Sheik was standing somewhere outside of the locker room and I had gotten his attention and he was, I guess, you know, making goofy faces or trying to you know, get a laugh out of me <laughs> as, a, as a three-year-old. So he likes to tell that story a lot. But um, I, aside from that, I wasn't really a wrestling fan growing up, um, not until um, I was in high school, um, 95, like fall of 95. Um, I was just flipping through the channels on the TV looking for something to watch, and I landed on Nitro where Hogan, Sting, and Savage were doing a promo to build to War Games. And what better three people to grab your attention than them? And I just mm-hmm. kept watching. Uh, and then I just started tuning in every week, um, became, uh, became aware of WWF very soon thereafter, and... Uh, for Christmas that year, my dad got me a PWI magazine, and that's where I realized that there was 
wrestling outside of those two promotions. I learned about ECW. I learned about the independents. Um, so that really opened my eyes. And from that point on, uh, very quickly, I was I was very hooked and very all things wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that was like the only way it seemed at the time to get those kinds of uh, uh, outside of the the major companies, right? Yeah, it was those absolutely. PWI magazines. Yeah, I mean it was it was pre internet. I mean mm-hmm. the internet was you know very very newly a thing. Um, I remember at one point that I uh, was trying to email ECW, convincing them to run at the Wheeling Civic Center, and that never happened. But um, yeah, there there wasn't that big online presence like there is today. There certainly wasn't social media, so mm-hmm. you had to rely on those kind of kinds of magazines to learn about um, you know the world outside of the big two or the big three. So so going from that, so you're 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 in your in your teenage years, you're 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 kind of grabbing back on. It's probably the perfect time for that. Is uh, you know yeah. you're in. The, it was know. the Attitude Era. It was yeah. the Monday Night Wars and. I mean, really being a high school kid, that was probably the best, the absolute best time. Yeah. Because you would go to school and everyone there, no matter who they were, you know, what clique they were a part of or what popularity level they were at, everyone was all about wrestling. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was something that could kind of transcend cliques and transcend popularity. Um, because, you know, the captain of the football team would walk down the hallway and if he saw you wearing a DX shirt, he'd throw you a crotch chop. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a great time, absolutely. Oh, man, I, I wish I was in that school. I, <laughs> I, I don't feel like wrestling was quite as open-ended as it was <laughs> for some of these other guys. My school was not nearly as cool. Uh, so, so how did you get transitioned to you know, your, your experience? You see in the WWF uh, down there in Wheeling, uh, you know, how did you kind of discover, like, you know, did you want to get into it or discovered that there was a possibility to get into it with local local promotions? So the first, the very first thing that I did was I, because I was such a fan of wrestling, I wanted to join the wrestling team in, mm-hmm. well, in middle school at that point, in eighth grade. And uh, very cliche, I showed up and I uh, was very surprised that it was a mat on the floor uh-huh, and not uh-huh. a ring with ropes. Uh-huh. Um, but I, you know, I, I was on the wrestling team through high school. Um, I had an opportunity to attend a few independent ev- events. Um, I, I remember uh, Pennsylvania Wrestling Federation, the promotion with uh, George South and Italian selling ran at the Civic Center, and they had a bunch of uh, names um, for that show. They had like Eddie and Hector Guerrero, uh, Haku, uh, Ted DiBiase, the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and after the show, um, or after the after it had ended, and uh, Ted DiBiase uh, closed the show with a promo, um, a bunch of people in the audience that were still there got inside the ring and started like jumping around and stuff. And I, you know, that that was kind of my first uh, experience stepping into a wrestling ring. Um, and by that point, I had been a, I, I had been very aware of other independent promotions. Um, I would stay up Saturday nights at midnight to watch ECW, and then there would be like a you know like hour or two hour block of paid programming mm-hmm. um, where you would see all of the independent shows. So you would see things like. Um, like Urban Wrestling Federation, uh, <laughs> Urban Wrestling was great. It, um, it was it was a bunch of um, sorry, this is going to be politically incorrect, but it was a bunch of white guys that were baby faces, mm-hmm. or sorry, a bunch of black guys that were baby faces, white guys that were heels, mm-hmm. and they were feuding over hip hop. Yes, um, there you know there was very nice. There was a sign posted on the wall that said "No Hip Hop Beyond This Point," <laughs> and. Um, Orlando Jordan uh, was one of the uh, wrestlers that was feuding with some guy over a tag team title that his father had won years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this weird promotion uh, where they wrestled in rounds. There was this weird promotion where they showed a clip of a New Japan Road Warriors match every week. And uh, there was uh, Pro Wrestling Express. 
uh, you know, what you, you know, let's just get this out of the way now. Uh, I'm going to be talking about PWX and I'm mm. going to be talking about Black Diamond Wrestling. I know that those are sore subjects, uh, especially in 2020, but mm-hmm. uh, there's no way to uh, talk about my journey without talking about those promotions. So yeah. let's, yeah. And that's let's fair. just that's fair. get that out of the way here right now. But, um, you know, I, one I was... Second, one second. Um, I, I think the mic kind of dropped on you to okay. kind of point it back up at you over there. There you go. Does it tighten at all? Uh, it should be fine. I think it just kind of... This is tight here or not. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So, um, all right, let me give you a transition back in. Okay. But yeah, so, you know, th- definitely, I mean, that, that's part of that. Like, let's, you know, but that was your journey. This is a part of your right. journey. Not anymore, but that was part of your journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over the years. Um, so, you know, let, let's uh, fast forward a couple of years when I was in high school. Um, I became friends with a, a kid named uh, Derek who uh, would be, go on to become my tag team partner, Darren Smythe. Uh, we were known as the premier players for the, few, for the first few years of my career. Um, so we met uh, because we were both on the wrestling team um, when I was a sophomore and he was a um, freshman. And we bonded over wrestling during, during a meet one day. And we would, um, we would often sneak into the wrestling room, um, right after the bell let out for eighth period. And before anyone else, um, you know, got in there for practice and we would just wrestle, meaning we would be doing, um, you know, rock bottoms and elbow drops and stone cold stunners. And, um, you know, other people that were on the team, would actually join in when they, you know, when they came in. So, you know, we were doing, you know, we were just doing all these uh, professional wrestling moves and until our coach came in and he's like, Oh, you guys are doing that studio wrestling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which shows his age that he was referring to it as a studio right, wrestling, yeah. right? So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't know what studio wrestling was until years later, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, Derek, you know, was only on the wrestling team for that one year. And, you know, we were really, really close friends throughout high school, um, except for, you know, one year where, you know, I was just, you know, an asshole and started a fight that didn't need to be started. And we didn't talk for a year. But when we when we crossed paths again, he said, hey, I've been training to wrestle. So he had met Rick Barncourt or Rick Diamond, as you may know. Um, and you know what? You know what? I worked with that guy for like almost two years. <laughs> I never knew his real last name. Yeah, there you go. Um, but <laughs> they they uh, they had been training with him and the late Stormtrooper, mm-hmm. um, him and a few other um, you know friends that went to our school. And I got I, I got rollback Stormtrooper. Yeah, what kind of gimmick was Stormtrooper? I mean, he wrestled in camo pants. It okay, was, it was okay. an army guy, I guess. Okay, I was afraid he was doing a Star Wars. Talk no, no, but. no, no. <laughs> no, he was bald head, beard, camo pants, tank okay. top. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, they had they had been trained and had uh, you know wrestled on a few shows. Um, they had gone up and worked for uh, for Aaron Lester uh, up in Pittsburgh, and I went to one of their shows at the barn in in uh, Moundsville, West Virginia, um, which was uh, Corey Graves' first match. Hmm. Um, and shortly after that, um, I started training with them. Hmm. Uh, they had. Uh, Rick was running at the time the World Independent Wrestling Federation, or WIWF. Um, he basically uh, recruited a bunch of high school or recent high school graduates um, around our area to train us to wrestle for him, but also used a few uh, Pittsburgh guys like Jake Garrett, mm-hmm. um, Jefferson Allen, or Nikita Allenoff. Uh, 
Kid Ego, Todd Thompson, and then some West Virginia guys like Punchy McGee and Chick Scott. Um, and he Punchy McGee, Punchy did I hear McGee. that right? Okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> this is a whole section of yeah, they, area wrestlers I've never heard of. Oh, I, I, I could tell you stories. Nikita Alanoff. I actually was coming across some old RWA footage uh, the other day, and Nikita Alanoff was on that. See, I didn't. I never knew he wrestled for RWA. Yeah, very early, like 2011, 2012. Okay. So. Well, back then he uh, his gimmick was he wore an Ohio State T shirt and he was called Jefferson Allen. Oh. <laughs> Okay, that's different. And it's okay. That's I can bust different. his balls because we used to be roommates. <laughs> um, so he ran that. Uh, he ran shows at uh, the Roller Derby in Moundsville, West Virginia, which is a um, a building with a ceiling shorter than the room that we're in right now. And, and we have a good, um, I don't know, 10, 12 foot ceiling in this room. But just yeah, it was, it was it yeah. was a little short. I, I know yeah. it was shorter because um, he had to cut down the poles on the ring, but he cut them from the bottom. Uh, so that the ring was literally a step off of the ground. Oh, oh no. Uh, yes. Um, and you still couldn't stand on the top rope. Jeez. <laughs> you, I think you could barely stand on the middle rope. Um, uh, so it was, it wasn't a building that was, uh, that was designed for wrestling, but mm-hmm. we made the boat, we made the most of it and, uh, uh, wrestled there until the, uh, the ring broke one day, which I guess you can't believe if you, you know, cut the poles from the bottom. Um, but Rick no, had, that doesn't do anything structural to that no, at all, right? No, but uh, but Rick ended up selling that ring to Aaron Lester, mm-hmm. um, who was who was running Three Rivers Wrestling at this point in uh, East Liberty, and uh, Aaron ended up putting that ring in his living room. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait, how big was this ring again? How, what size was it? I probably sixteen foot. Okay. What kind of I, I'd say room 16, at, at most, it was sixteen feet. Uh, it might Jeez. have been smaller than that. I mean, okay. It was, it was a homemade ring. And, and Rick's made his, his own rings, his own wooden rings for a number of years. And, yeah. Uh, would always uh, make them low to the ground so they could could accommodate any kind of building. Okay. Ran. Okay. Um, but yeah, he sold this ring to Aaron Lester. Wow. And that was, uh, we actually w- uh, went up for a, uh, for a Three Rivers Wrestling show. Uh, it was my first experience in Pittsburgh. And uh, me, not even 10 matches into the business or a full year into the business at that point, uh, main evented a, uh, a three, ver- three Rivers wrestling show uh, with zero paying fans, uh, maybe like 20 or 30 kids that they invited in, you know, from the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh God, uh, I, <laughs> I uh, so they, they had a, a one-eight tournament that was won by Rico Revolver, who would go on to be Glenn Spector. And me as the heel uh, came out and attacked him, beat him down after the match got a baby face pop and ended up wrestling later uh the three verse champion mike mcgowan mm-hmm. uh with stacy hunter who who is still wrestling i, I just saw he was the soul ago. keeper at yeah, that point he's a soul keeper the soul yeah keeper. i knew he's a man of many gimmicks yes from the, what i understand the soul keeper where he was a uh uh a five foot nine undertaker okay <laughs> All right, and, and I can bust his balls, you know, too. Because listen, know, man, I saw it. an Undertaker, a hot dog Undertaker, the, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it, it, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know, we we main evented that show, and I, uh, I think I I was able to watch it back a number of years later, and it was it was awful, awful in the <laughs> in the sense that it had no psychology. But we just yeah. went out there and kind of beat each other up. And yeah. uh, afterwards, uh, Aaron Lester uh, deemed that I was the future of professional wrestling. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that led to some other, you know, some other good opportunities. And, 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 and I guess for context, I've heard there's, I've heard curious stories about Aaron Lester, if I have the name right. 
Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, I, I don't really know, you know, too much about him. I, I worked a couple of promotions or a couple yeah. shows for him when I first started out. He was, you know, he was always a nice guy. He had some shady business partners. That's what I understand. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I never had an issue with him. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I, I, so, I agree. I had great experiences. So if this sounds wild, it just I, I guess a little extra context. <laughs> so uh, and it is, but I think it's interesting because I mean this is this is you know this is what you had available, yeah, to to come in on, and not everybody, uh, especially in that era, has that access of having a um, not the not the you know. I don't want to say I want to say good legitimate wrestling company to kind of build with, yeah. But, but it, I don't want to say that in a way to demean what you had available. But you know, uh, uh, access to that and talent and and a different kind of show, there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, trying to get bookings. Yeah. Um, there was a show that ran some somewhere in Ohio. Uh, you know, near where I was, I want to say maybe it was OCW Jeff Cannon's promotion. Okay. And still run right. Still run, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, social media again. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a little hard to get in contact with other promoters or even find out about, about have, other promoters. Didn't even have MySpace yet. Uh, no. So <laughs> what I did was I, I saw a flyer. Mm-hmm. I got the phone number for tickets or, uh, yeah, a phone number for the building off the flyer and got the email address for the promoter mm-hmm. and emailed him, you know, Telling him who I was, how long I've been working, all that, trying to get booked on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, his uh, his response was, uh, you know, come to the show and we'll talk. And I just ended up buying a ticket and watching. But it was, you know, I got to see even colder Mike Austin. <laughs> so even it was, colder it was well Mike Austin. It. Yes, that no, I'd probably buy a ticket for that. Yes. Actually, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I've bought tickets. Uh, on my travels for shows where I'm like, I gotta see what this is about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was about even colder. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so, you know, again, a year in, a year into the business, I, you know, I worked a few shows for Aaron Lester. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick had stopped running at that point. Um, I started getting books for Mason Dixon Wrestling in West Virginia uh, for Jim Hawkins, which uh, was probably one of my favorite experiences. Um, you know, I worked for him for a few years until he stopped running. Um, but we would go down and I would be uh, paired with Darren Smythe. We'd work um, tag matches and we'd just be given, you know, go out there and do whatever. So we'd go out and work like 20, 30 minute tag team matches. Um, old school West Virginia crowd was okay. into it the whole time. Okay. And, you know, we, we'd go and, you know, we'd just have fun and, you know, just, just work. We'd do two hot tags every night and, it got over. So uh, those were awesome <laughs> you had your experiences. Formula. Yeah, exactly. and, and you probably didn't have to kill yourself doing that either. No. Yeah. No, they were they were it was good fun. They were good shows. Uh like I said very old school. It's where I met uh wrestled Shirley Doe for the first time. Mm. Um yeah, they they were always great fantastic shows and really good really hot crowds. Mm-hmm. Um so I was able to get connected uh through Aaron Lester to a promotion in West Virginia called In Your Face Wrestling or IYFW, uh, that used a lot of the same crew and, uh, you know, would go on to use more of, uh, you know, more Pittsburgh guys that worked PWX and IWC. Okay. Um, it's a name I've definitely heard yeah. over the years. They ran, they ran for a couple uh, years um, out of a um, abandoned storefront mm-hmm. in, uh, in Weirton, West Virginia. So, um, you know, much like the, the building that we're in, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, 
back a little further. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, it was very narrow. You could put, uh, you know, you could put a few rows of chairs on either side of the ring, but not the like the side side. Yeah, yeah. Um, you would you would usually have uh, you'd usually find yourself hitting the wall with your back as you ran the ropes because mm-hmm. the ring was right up against the wall. Um, but it was around that time that. Um, IWC became a thing. Mm. Um, that's another story for another day and probably told by somebody that was actually there. But a uh, short story was that um, a group of guys had broken off from PWX mm-hmm. um, and started IWC, uh, which was started by uh, Bubba the Bulldog and yep. later taken over by Norm Connors. Uh, um, and we do have a conversation with Bubba the Bulldog. Uh, I think we had him back in within the last year talking about uh the 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 growth that becoming a thing in the early years of iwc if people want to check that out as well yeah so i had come in right after that and i think the only there were two people that didn't go to iwc or didn't work that that show where they broke off and Mm -hmm. one of them was jefferson allen or nikita allenoff Mm -hmm. um he you know he had stayed loyal to to jim miller and to pwx and um Jim had gotten a, a new building on Walnut Street in McKeesport, which would become the Sportatorium. Um, so what we ended up doing, uh, me, Derek, and another uh, of our uh, friends from Wheeling, um, is we would go up on the weekends and we would help move um, everything from Jim's storage shed into that building and then work out in the ring for a couple of hours. And we, we would do that for, for weeks and weeks um, until one day uh, Jim came down, saw us working out in the ring and asked if we wanted to work a show. Um, so they were starting back up at that building and uh, they ran a, a show in uh, Dravosburg at a fire uh, department. Um, and that was my first uh, time wrestling for PWX. Uh, got a tryout match, me versus Darren Smythe. And uh, we were given the uh, the green light to join the promotion after that. And I would go on to wrestle there for another 12 years. Nice, nice, nice. Longevity at yeah. least, right? So tell me about a little bit of that experience. So you, you, you went through a, a few different phases, I understand, through PWX's yeah. years. But, but this was, this is kind of like the most established place. That you had the most consistency from the sounds of things. They were over running the years. biweekly, and mm-hmm. they they were doing that biweekly schedule for years. And there were you know there were other opportunities out of that because they were a member of the NWA at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I had opportunities from that to go and wrestle uh, for Rich Arpin, who ran NWA Tri-State in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick O'Brien, who uh, ran NWA Virginia out of Virginia. Um, and, uh, you know, we were traveling all over the state of West Virginia, all over the state of Ohio, working, uh, shows in Cleveland for, uh, NEPW, for Ed Schmidt, for, uh, Jeff Traxler, MCW. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at that point through like 2001 through 2003, um, I could probably count on one hand a weekend where I didn't have a show or a weekend where I didn't mm-hmm. have a, at least a double shot. So we were, we were getting pretty solid work. So when I was, you know, two, three years in the business, I'd had, you know, maybe like 250 matches under my belt at that point. Wow. And, uh, you know, it helped that we were being paired and we, being booked as a tag team. So we were, we were known as the premier players. And I, just by virtue of us, um, you know, being a team, which there weren't a lot at that time, mm-hmm. there were, you know, in Pittsburgh, there were two teams. There was, there was us and there was sexual harassment, uh, JT Rogers and Eric Ecstasy. Uh, and, Actually, when we wrestled in uh, CWF, uh, we got paired together and you know put on some some great matches. We had a few stingers, but you know a lot of a lot of fun working with those guys. Um, but you know, probably through like two thousand three, 
Um, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of success early on. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time uh, in PWX, they uh, broke us off as a tag team. Um, you know, gave Darren a singles push and see, you know, wanted to see what I could do as a singles. And, uh, you know, I was told that, you know, I wasn't really catching on. I wasn't really getting over. I needed to come up with a gimmick. And that, that led to a, a dark couple of years where I was just shadow, saddled with uh, some pretty shitty gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one where I uh, had to take uh, 10 unprotected chair shots to the head. Oh. Yeah. Um, in one night. And subsequently, uh, you know, additional every show after that, uh, where I became known as concussion prone Dash Bennett, uh, where basically my gimmick was I was Eugene about four months before Eugene debuted on WWE television. No. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty awful. Um, I uh, joined a uh, a an evil fraternity uh, that was led by Kid Cupid and uh, consisted of me and Sean Dahmer or Sean Resnick. Uh, and we feuded with the Tri-Kai fraternity, uh, QB Blitz and Sam the Hammer Sledge. Uh, but we, we were the evil fraternity of the mentally challenged, basically, mm. uh, because I was, you know, I was still playing off the concussion prone. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, uh, I was put under a mask where we were, uh, we were told to um, do a new version of the tag team Armageddon. Um, so Armageddon was a team that was, uh, and I can say this now because they're both, you know, they're both retired, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Boomer Payne and Crusher Hansen would wrestle under masks as the team Armageddon. They would wear matching uh, Piroth masks, the, you know, the, the black and yellow, if you can picture it, um, and hockey jerseys and uh, basketball shorts. And they were basically a comedy tag team. They would, you know, they would do a lot of, um, you know, WWE finishers in their matches, a lot of comedy. Um, but we were a heel version of that, um, which mean, which meant that, uh, we couldn't do comedy. Um, we couldn't do the, the finishing moves. Um, we were, we wore masks so we couldn't talk and we were, uh, we wore army fatigues. So really the only thing about, the only thing that kept us Armageddon was the masks and it just wasn't getting over and mm-hmm. it went on way too long, uh, a lot longer than it should have. Um, so, so it kind of forgot. So I, you know, a lot of people say, um, um, you know, here's a lot with WWE kind of stuff, like getting saddled with a weird gimmick and you just kind of make it work. Yeah. Um, uh, these were not working. There was a lot of effort put into these, right? Yeah. I mean, looking back, I probably could have embraced it more. And I probably, you know, looking back, I, I probably could have found a way to make it work, but just nothing was clicking. It, yeah. It wasn't okay. clicking. Um, me and Resnick were, were saddled with, or were saddled together as a tag team because we had similar body types. Yeah. Um, but we had absolutely no chemistry as a team whatsoever. Um, we, we went on to have better chemistry as opponents, mm-hmm. um, years later, but just, we, we were teamed together just by virtue of being two big guys. And that, that would happen no matter where we went. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, um, I wrestled for uh, Cato and KCW um, around 04, 05, and, and those were really good shows. But, um, you know, he put us together as a tag team. Uh, you know, we, we weren't, you know, we weren't doing any, you know, any kind of gimmicks. So we were just, you know, being ourselves. Well, he was, you know, kind of doing his crazy gimmicks still. But 
Um, you know, everyone felt the need to pair us together as a tag team, and uh, it just it didn't work. Um, so, you know, at, at the time, you know, I was still uh, working for other promotions. Again, you know, still going to uh, West Virginia and Ohio, still uh, working for Black Diamond Wrestling, and um, you know, doing a lot of really good stuff there. Um, Darren had left for um, for Florida. He had moved down there after college, and I was uh, then paired with uh, uh, Dan Sandwich as a tag team partner. Okay. Um, and we were we were in the middle of a feud with the Gambino brothers. Okay. In Black Diamond Wrestling, so it started out with uh, with me and Derek, and um, you know, continued with me and Dan Sandwich, um, but in in Martin's Ferry, Ohio, um, there were no two bigger heels than the Gambino brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, they they just had nuclear heat, especially <laughs> with the woman that ran the building that we uh, that we were out of. Um, <laughs> because uh, Marshall, I think, uh, got on the mic and called her a fat bitch one night. Uh, so from that from <laughs> what, that Mar- point on, what, Marshall? Yeah. No, not Marshall. From that point on, there was uh, there was a lot of heat there. Um, but you know, I, uh, another, another, you know, set of guys, uh, you know, the two of them, Jimmy DeMarco, uh, that I just had a blast working with. Um, there, there are two really good stories that come out of this because, um, I was working Jimmy DeMarco in a singles match one night. Um, and he had me in like a chin lock or something. And I, I looked down and he, I think he noticed it too at the same time. There was a piece of poop in the ring. I think I heard about this story. Yes. Someone at some point uh, had procured a log and somehow transported it to the corner of the ring. Um, someone said later on that there was a, that someone had a puppy in the building and that's where it came from. There, I saw no dog that night. I, I call, <laughs> I call bullshit literally on that story. But yeah, or human so, shit on that so, story. So I'd like to think that that was the that was the kind of heat that we had that uh, that someone threw um, a log in the ring. Uh, because they hated Jimmy DeMarco that much. Wow. Um, and then there was uh, there was the night that we had a uh, a street fight. Um, it was it, things got a little chaotic. We were brawling all over the building, and I was I think I might have been paired off with with Mickey or something. And we were fighting in the bleachers on uh, on the far side of the building. And all of a sudden, I hear the bell ringing. I'm like, "What's going on? We're we're not anywhere near the finish." Mm-hmm. And the building manager called the cops on them and said that, you know, that they had, you know, basically the cops are coming. The Gambinos had to leave the building and she actually put the building up for ransom saying after the fact that, uh, that we were not welcome back if the Gambinos continued to wrestle. So the game, <laughs> yeah. So, so they, uh, Yeah. Oh, uh, I think I, I've heard a little bit of that story too. So, wow, from the other guys. So, so they stopped getting used at at that particular location. Um, you know, we still run shows. Um, you know, in other in other places on on the Wheeling side or other towns in Ohio that they would still work for. But um, things kind of did, the relationship with the building manager continued to to deteriorate for the next year. Um, so uh, it, it came to the point where Rick decided to throw a hail mary, and uh, the Gambinos showed up unannounced unbeknownst to her and uh that was the last time that we were at that building uh uh, for a number of years uh uh until she was no longer in charge there (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I, that is, and, and not the only time that they've had the cops called on them. I, I understand. Uh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, yeah. I experienced one of those with Marshall at RWA. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So you've, you, your, your travels were still very interesting. Either yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, a lo- like a lot of my story come comes down to to PWX because yeah, uh, you know that's what you know Pittsburgh fans know. Yes. Um, but you know, uh, there's a lot outside of that that you know mm-hmm. that I was able to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I had I had the fortune uh, I was fortunate enough to wrestle with a lot of uh, people before they made it to WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, working for Kingdom James in Erie, Ohio, I got to re- or Erie, PA, sorry, I got to wrestle Beth, uh, Beth Phoenix. Um, a show, oh. yeah, a show in Ohio. I got to wrestle Michael Tarver, um, mm-hmm. shortly before he got signed. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a few after they had been in the spotlight as well. Um, Buff Bagwell at, uh, at Black Diamond Wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I, 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 have, <laughs> I have some Buff Bagwell stories there that maybe I'll get to at the end if we have time. Yeah, he, uh, he was, he seemed very interesting. I, I didn't know how to take him <laughs> when we saw him, uh, last year at RWA. Um, and then, uh, the late big bully music uh, for five star wrestling. And I guess that's another, uh, well, uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, well, we'll, we'll get, we, why don't we hold on a couple of those stories for the Patreon okay. uh, after the show? Uh, so if you are following us and I'll put a plug out, patreon.com slash wrestling ma'am show. If you are interested uh, in supporting what we're doing here on the podcast world, um, there's a nice, te- I usually don't tease it during this show. Well, uh, but uh, <laughs> five star wrestling can be one show on. Oh, absolutely. Oh, geez. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I only work two shows for them. If I didn't, if I didn't, if I wasn't so opposed to to shoot interview kind of things, I, I, we might just do a five star uh, wrestling retrospective because <laughs> I, I just about everybody on the show has a story from over there. So, um, but I, I don't want to get into that right now. Yeah. Anyways, okay, more about this. So you're looking all these different places, and yeah. uh, 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 PWX. You had a few more years before before you you kind of checked out for a little yeah, bit, right? So. Um Right around the time that we started running at the uh, Jacob Wall Pavilion in McKeesport, mm-hmm, the, uh, the log cabin, um, I, you know, I had an opportunity to uh, to break off and do something singles, and I, I, you know, at that point had felt like I had been, you know, buried and, and deep pushed, and um, you know, just treated like a joke for so many for so many years that. Uh, once I was given an opportunity, I took the ball and I, I fucking ran with it. I'm you know, mm-hmm. sorry, but, um, you know, I, uh, I, uh, beat Mike law, uh, sabotage for the, uh, uh, PWX brass knuckles title. Mike law. Is that the, 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 the one that we just got the promo from? Yes. From Colossal Mike law, uh, okay. f- former ECWA champion. Okay. Um, very much looking forward to him being back in the Pittsburgh area for fight underground. Excellent. Uh, been, it's been a number of years since I've seen him. And I love that guy. Um, but I, uh, uh, was the brass knuckles champion in PWX for, uh, you know, like eight or nine months. And that was a gimmick championship where the heel could, uh, determine the stipulation, uh, or sorry, the champion, uh, it was mainly a heel title because of this, but, uh, mm-hmm. could decide the stipulation of the match, um, beforehand or sometimes even during. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, ended up in a, lo- a pretty long feud with, uh, Mantis. Um, not sure whatever happened to that guy, but no, no, uh, no idea. <laughs> um, it kind of culminated in a, uh, in a, uh, no DQ match, uh, very, very wild brawl. A lot of, you know, a lot of smoke and mirrors, but a, a lot of, you know, just a lot of nonsense that really got the crowd on their feet. And at that point, 
I was looked at in a different light mm -hmm. um, after that performance. Um, so then I, I kind of graduated uh, from the Brass Knuckles title to the Three Rivers title, mm -hmm. and uh, you know was was getting featured more prominently. Had some uh, you know had some really good feuds. Uh, probably one of my favorite uh, was the summer that I had a feud with Greg Iron over the Three Rivers title, mm -hmm. um, which was a great story because. Um, you know, he was looked at as such an underdog, especially with his handicap. And I just came in as this big bully. And he was able to put me in my place fairly quickly. Um, you know, I, I started by, you know, making fun of his handicap, making fun of his hand. And uh, during a promo, he held up the three of title to taunt me with it. And I went to punch him in the face and he moved and I punched the title. And I broke my hand at that point. So I was wrestling in a cast for a number of months. So you equally had a handicap. Yes, I equally That's had great. a handicap. It was it was it was very ironic. See, I didn't even know he wrestled regularly in the area. Yeah, he yeah. um him and Matt Justice um wow. For, yeah, um from like 2009 to 2010 mm -hmm. uh were were regulars in uh in PWX. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, obviously he was, you know, the three of us champion. I think, uh, him and justice won the tag team titles at 1.2. Hmm. Um, but our, we had a really, a really good feud, told a really good story over that summer, uh, that culminated in a, a TLC match, which, um, you know, if you just kind of picture that in your head, uh, it probably doesn't sound like it would be that great of a match given, yeah. given the two of us and our dynamic. But, um, I think it's probably one of my favorite matches. Um, so, you know, I, I held the three of us title for, you know, a, a couple of years. Um, I think I won the title six times in total during my, during my time in PWX. Um, and you know, um, it was actually a feud with CJ sensation, uh, that kind of, uh, put the office on notice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, an, another really good feud and really good story that culminated in an I quit match. And uh, I think that's probably another one of my favorite matches just because it was a breakout performance for me. Um, the, uh, you know, we, we, we did a lot of violent stuff in that match and it actually ended with uh, me trapped in the ropes. You know, picture Andre the giant and ultimate warrior. Uh, my arms are trapped and he's getting ready to swing a steel chair at my head. And I, I, I'm like, stop, 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 stop. I stop him before he can hit me. And I take the coward's way out and say, I quit. Mm -hmm, so I mm -hmm. give him the match, but not the satisfaction of just braining me with the chair. Mm -hmm. And then he just did so after the match anyways. Mm -hmm. I just, I fall through the ropes like Terry Funk. Um, <laughs> but after that, you know, I was, I was kind of told that, um, you know, there, there were a lot of things that were clicking, uh, with me and a few, a few others, um, you know, that we were capturing lightning in a bottle, I think mm -hmm. were the exact words that were used. Um, so that summer, uh, it became kind of a four way feud between me, Ashton Amherst, uh, Patrick Hayes and Chris Taylor, uh, where I inevitably won the PWX heavyweight title. Um, I, in fact, I actually had the PWX heavyweight title, I think, and Black Diamond heavyweight title at the same time. So, I mean, that, you know, that I think was just validation for all of the hard work that I put in all of the, you know, all, all of the shit sandwiches that I ate all, mm -hmm. you know, staying mm -hmm. loyal for, you know, for a number of years. Um, so I, I think, you know, that, you know, kind of validated, um, you know, why I, why I was there. And, um, I, you know, I, I had, a, you know, I had a really good time in PWX for a few years after that. Um, until we got to, uh, to 2013 and things kind of mm -hmm. just fell off the wheels there. 
Um, you know, at that point, I had gone through a lot of changes in my personal life, and wrestling was becoming less of a priority. So um, PWX at that point was the only promotion that I was working for. Um, and we were, uh, or PWX was, uh, was getting back on TV at that point. And I, I think this is really a point of contention for a lot of people because, uh, Jim Miller kind of put the fact that PWX was coming back to TV on a bigger pedestal than it should have been on, that it deserved to be on. Um, it was a channel that, you know, that nobody got, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't uh, because, I mean, the, part of the success of the early days was it was uh, nicely sandwiched between, I think at the time, WF Shotgun and ECW yeah, in the like late I, night slot. I right? was in Wheeling, West Virginia, and I got that. And it, it reached, you know, parts of West Virginia yeah. and parts of Ohio. That was extensive. Um, yeah. Um, it, it had a very good a very good reach. But um, this time around, it was on a, it was, I couldn't even tell you what the station name was, but WGN, um, I believe. Yeah. WBGN. WBGN. It wasn't available on Comcast. Yeah. Um, I, I think it might've been available on Verizon Fios, but I mean, back, you know, back then this was 2013. There wasn't as much of a, you know, uh, their, their headquarters is the next hill over actually. For well, us. No, no, I mean, Fios <laughs> just wasn't available yeah. in a lot of areas. No, the, the, no, the station's headquarters is, is the next hill over from us Okay, for that <laughs> channel. They're still apparently running, uh, but no, they're over the air and everything. Yeah. And I think yeah. they had just been dropped by Comcast around that time. And this is the same, uh, uh, and this is the same channel that ran. Um, I, that's how I discovered IWC to be okay. honest in the, in the mid two thousands. Was uh, was when they had a show running on there as well, so yeah. uh, not unfamiliar, but still, it's like 2013. That's not that's not the platform it used to be, right? Yeah, right. and honestly, there's a much farther reach today with um, just putting sh- putting these shows out on, yeah. on YouTube as, on as we've seen. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, I uh, I won the tag team titles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a fourth time with Robert Parker Williams as my partner, and uh, injured myself. Um, in the match actually twice that night um earlier in the night um we had formed a a heel group called legion mm-hmm. uh consisted of oh god i i might be getting this wrong but i know it was uh me robert parker williams peyton graham and i honestly couldn't tell you who else it was maybe maybe chris larusso maybe uh maybe jack pollock i can't remember who the initial uh four were that started that first night Mm -hmm. uh but we basically uh attacked quinn magnum and uh literally threw him out the front door um but i hyperextended my arm catching quinn magnum for a dive Mm. um and you know ended up wrestling a tag team match later that night i don't know if i don't i don't think it was because i was compensating for my arm but i um i ended up um injuring my leg um very very early on into the match um, so I've been able to stay pretty injury free mm-hmm. throughout my entire career, um, with one exception, that's my left knee. Um, so when I was 19 years old working at a fast food job, I slipped and fell in the kitchen, um, landed with my leg underneath me and strained my PCL. I didn't, I didn't tear it. Um, it was a PCL injury. Um, but I was out for four to six weeks. Um, back, so fast forward to 2009, this is actually, um, when I was doing the Reg Iron feud and had the uh, the gimmick on my hand, um, I uh, woke I woke up uh, out of bed one day, went to stand up, and I guess my leg was asleep, and I just completely fell to the ground and landed with my leg under me again. Oof. Another PCL strain out for another four to six weeks. Um, this time, 
I step in the ring, um, I guess pivot and twist my knee the wrong way, strain my PCL out for another four to six weeks. I finish the match, uh, win the tag team titles, um, but then Apollyon has to take my place as champion um, for the next uh, two events. Mm-hmm. And when I'm ready to come back, um, I'm told that I'm not needed. They're, uh, they're dropping the tag team titles that night to Quinn Magnum and T. Rangela. Uh, I don't even get an opportunity to lose the titles, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I leave that night and don't come back. Hmm. Um, I still ended up working a few uh, a few shows. I worked uh, a show for Rock Parsons down in West Virginia. I worked hmm. a uh, uh, an event. Uh, I can't remember the town um, in uh, PA, but uh, a number of the uh, PWX roster was there, and they're like, "Oh, I, you know, I thought you were hurt." No, I. I've been cleared to go for, for months now. Um, and then, uh, you know, through working those shows, I, I end up getting in touch with Dr. Feelgood. Uh, he actually uh, was my manager for one show, uh, saw me cut a uh, cut a promo, and I guess was impressed and wanted to book me for RWA starting. Feel in, bad. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I, did I say yeah. Feelgood? That's, yeah. that's that, another guy. That's a different, yeah, that's a that's different, a different guy in the area. <laughs> <laughs> I did work for him for uh, for a number of years for APWF and Plus as well. And those were really fun shows too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they, they threw, uh, they threw uh, some really cool after parties nice. at their house after the shows. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, so, I, so January of 2014, I'm supposed to debut with uh, RWA and I'm ghosted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at that point again, uh, you know, a lot of life changes outside of wrestling. Um, you know, 2013 was just a, a very, a year full with a lot of politics. Um, and I just, I was just tired of dealing with all of it at that point. So I walked away from the business for, uh, uh until, uh, the summer of 2019, um, when Robert Parker Williams was uh, working a program with Brohemoth and asked me to come back to help, uh, work with him mm-hmm. and, um, Zeke Mercer and some other guy I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and that was cause you know, I remember you, from the little bit I'd watched PWX or been at PWX filming back in the day. And, uh, and, and it was, it was kind of cool to see you come back and, and get into it with Brohemoth and that, that whole mix there. Um, you know, what was that like? I mean, obviously this was back at, you know, PWX had transferred into this fight society concept. Um, you know, you know, what was that experience kind of coming back and, and kind of mixing it up with the new, the, the younger guys? Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was a little surreal. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just, being back in a you know being back in a locker room like i i hadn't really talked with anyone mm-hmm. um you know i i kind of described wrestling as proximity relationships at that point yes. so so even though i thought i had you know a bunch of friends in the business you know didn't hear from any of them for five years and then um but yeah well it's but, interesting what, what six months of COVID has done for that for a lot of us right. too <laughs> but i mean the great thing is i walked back in and you know, got to see guys like Beast Man, like Patrick Hayes, like Shirley Doe. Yeah. Um, you know, Dean Radford. You know, it was it was like we had missed a beat. And that's yeah. I, I mean, really for you know, that's that's kind of what wrestling is all about is you know, you can go years without talking to somebody, you mm-hmm. see them again, and it's like, you know, it's like five minutes hadn't passed. Um, but you know, it was great getting to see, you know, a lot of old friends. It was uh it was great having an opportunity to make friends with a lot of uh, a lot of new folks. Um, and you know, unfortunately with, with, uh, with COVID, um, you know, a lot of those have just been, um, you know, limited to, you know, meeting online. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the shows that I was looking most forward to do before COVID, uh, was pit fight. 
Yes. Um, yes. You know, not not even so much that I was excited to to work a match. I you know I was going to be working working with uh you know with with uh, Jason Tyler and uh, Phil Archer and Stevie LaBelle, which mm-hmm. I was excited about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I thought that I could do some really good stuff with those guys, but more so, I was just I was just happy to be in a locker room. I was you know I was happy to you know to to finally be able to meet in person guys like you know like David Lawless and Ron Hunt and you know a lot of guys that you know that I had um, you know that I uh, had you know brief discussions with online, and especially those shows because it, it seems just about everybody in the Pittsburgh area of any significance is on that show. Yeah. 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 Great stuff that those kids are doing there out there. That's a University of Pitt Greensburg. Uh, I know they, they they went down and we had them come in and we did a gaming night with some of the wrestlers <laughs> to kind of make up for it and, and, and do some donation drive for them and everything. Uh, so it was just so, so unfortunate. It was right that weekend, yeah. I think, when everything shut down. But, you know, I, I feel like even though, you know, even though I, I only spent six months, you know, yeah. um, you know, back in a locker room and, um, you know, have just have had uh, very limited interactions with some of these other guys. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, you feel like, you know, them just as well. Mm-hmm. So that transitions, of course, you're now part of uh, fight underground. Now, yes. now you haven't been a part of an actual like show filming. And of course that's a little all over the place because of things, you know, we've had one filming, we have another one, uh, on the books coming up here that I'm hoping, you know, you'll be, of course be in person for that. Uh, but, uh, you've been a big part of this fight council concept, that has been kind of still driving this force with all the weirdness going on. Tell me a little bit about that experience too. Like, like you're basically on interacting and uh, uh, a live promo without the physicality, like on a <laughs> weekly basis here. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think very early on when the, the concept of the fight council was created, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, I think it was done to replace, uh, the damage had been do- that had been done with PWX and the circle of respect, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. was their version of a hall of fame that, um, Jim decided to, you know, kind of, uh, tear down, um, you know, some imagery, uh, that was, you know, that was put out there, um, in order to make room for, I, I don't know, three seats. I forget the the exact number of seats, but, um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was kind of treated as, you know, the circle of respect was, was done as a way to, you know, kind of, uh, induct in a hall of fame mm-hmm. and show respect to those that had pioneered, uh, Pittsburgh wrestling. And it was, you know, it was kind of trashed by Jim. So I think with, uh, with fight underground, uh, putting this fight council together, you, you know, you'll notice that there are a lot of the same people yeah, yeah. Uh, that were part of that circle of respect as well as, uh, you know, some people that have, uh, you know, that, that had been active in the business after that, but are no longer active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I was very happy to, you know, to get the, uh, to get the call to be a part of the fight council. And, uh, you know, what, what started out as, uh, you know, uh, panel interviews and talking heads about, um, you know, about different aspects of the business and about fight underground has kind of turned into, um, you know, a very unique situation where that we're in with, uh, you know, a number, a core number of, uh, the fight council members that, um, you know, are, are kind of acting as, uh, you know, as, you know, coaches, advocates, managers, whatever, you know, however you want to take it, um, for different members of the roster. And that has, you know, kind of helped build to, um, you know, these next upcoming events, um, and just, you know, really give an opportunity to tell these stories without having the luxury of putting on shows or putting on matches. Yeah, yeah. It's been a nice kind of like placeholder for that and still still getting the interest. Um, I think it's, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people came over from the old product 
um, you know, recognizing a lot of the faces that are popping up for me. But for me, and, and I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of getting into the concept in general, and, and it is kind of getting to know that Pittsburgh history. If you're not familiar with Pittsburgh wrestling, because I think there's a lot of people that watch from outside the area, uh, but also like people that maybe you only watch the PWX, IWC, RWA, like there's and and people seem to be coming from all over. Yeah, and, all, from and, Ohio, North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah, North Carolina, boomer from North Carolina, uh, the other side of PA, um, and it's kind of interesting to see these um, um, long-standing personalities kind of interact with each other. Yeah. So. It was good stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, just to close up here today, I like to ask a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna split this up for. A, I'm gonna ask you two. I'm gonna ask you two versions of this question here. Okay. I usually ask people what is the best and the worst thing about indie wrestling. I mean, for me, it's it's camaraderie. It's a sense of family. Um, wrestling is, you know, wrestling really shaped a lot of who I was. I mm-hmm. got into the business when I was 18 years old um, at a very impressionable age, and. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, lessons that I learned, uh, you know, in a locker room or on a road trip, you know, kind of helped make me, you know, the person that I would become as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of good to come of it. Um, but there's also a, a lot of negative that comes from it. And uh, honestly, I, I think my just thinking about it makes my brain hurt. So uh, <laughs> l- let's just say that there's that there is a lot of negativity. Yeah. Unfortunate. And what's the best and worst thing about doing a weekly panel with other uh, veteran wrestling <laughs> personalities? Um, I mean, I, I guess the best thing is it uh, it, it keeps me uh, it keeps me busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, at this point, I think I'm all but retired from entering competition. I, I never got a chance to um, you know do the send off that I wanted, but I, I think at this point, I don't think that I need it. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my ego. It, I don't have an ego to the point where I need to be validated. Um, you know, I can just kind of accept the last match that I wrestled as, you know, the last match, match that I wrestled. And I'm fortunate which, that, which was a pretty wild match. It was, it was. <laughs> and I was supposed to, you know, I was supposed to wrestle after that. Um, I was actually going to return to black diamond wrestling for their anniversary show, mm-hmm. um, in June before the pandemic and before racism. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and I was going to make that my last match because, you know, I, I, would have an opportunity to be back in front of my hometown crowd. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm happy on the, on the note that I left it. And, um, you know, if, you know, if I have the opportunity to get back in the ring, then, you know, then so be it. But, um, you know, with, you know, with no longer being, um, you know, an active competitor, it, it's still helping me. Um, I don't want to say keep relevant because that, you know, again, that's another ego thing, but, um, it's helping me, um, you know, stay connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's helping me, uh, work with a lot of younger guys. Um, I, I drafted, um, you know, in our, um, in our fight underground draft, uh, some guys that I've had a chance to, uh, to have some really good conversations with and build some really good relationships with. Um, so I, I'm grateful for that opportunity as well. I, I think that's probably the best thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably the worst thing is that, uh, uh, there are often times where I just don't get to talk because uh, either uh, Bubba Brewer, Dean Radford, or Stacey Hunter is uh, is shouting over me. So <laughs> I, I, I made a joke that I'm going to pre-tape my comments and have them aired uh, during the fight council calls, and uh, we'll see if it comes to that point. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what <laughs> happens there. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure. Again, it's a really cool dynamic that's happened over there, and that's the fight uh, the fight uh, uh, council meetings that are every Thursday night, eight p.m. on the Fight Underground channels, uh, Facebook, but of course on the YouTube and Twitter as well. Uh, and of course, you know, stick around. Hey, we're gonna if you're if you haven't hit patreoncom show, uh, We're gonna have a little conversation after we're here and see what's uh, Buff Bagwell really like. Dash. Yeah. I, so, <laughs> so two things. I, I want to tell my Buff Bagwell stories because yes. th- th- it's multifaceted. Okay. Uh, and I want to uh, to uh, tell my experience with. Uh, uh, Five star wrestling. So okay, okay. Th- those are going to be your Patreon there's your teases. Experiences. There's your teases right <laughs> there. Can't give you all the good stuff here, right? Um, but where can people uh, follow what's going on with you online? Um, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at mm. the Big Deal DB for all three platforms. There you go. Thank you so much, Dash, for joining us. Everybody, please go check out the stuff. Check out what's happening with Fight Underground again. The entire first area one recording of fight underground is there for you guys over at the um uh indie wrestling.us for uh network indie wrestling.network uh for subscribers you don't have to go find all the clips on on the internet it's all right there for you with the aftermath with the uh face-offs ready to go and it's also over on the vod platform as well and over on our vimeo links uh but hit all those links over indie wrestling.us thank you so much everybody we'll see you guys next time until then please support indie wrestling this show is a member of the sorgatron media podcast network find out more at sorgatronmedia.com